Are the lambs still screaming, Clarice? I'm Gabby. I'm Kim. What was that? I don't know. I don't know why I said it so weird. Gullish. Tiendensees. I've been locked inside for too long, guys, and I don't know how to pronounce words anymore. That might be what's Um, happening. It is. I I think it is. I think it is. But what we are, we are a podcast that talks about haunted things, Mm -hmm. spooky things. Spooky things. Legends. Lore. (laughs) It was the eyebrow, the little eyebrow wiggle you just did was glorious, but nobody at home can see it. We do eyebrow wiggles. We do eyebrow wiggles. And we talk about true crime that sometimes leads into moida and uh, hauntings. Hauntings. I don't know where I'm from now with this accent. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm enjoying it. Murder, murder <laughs> most foul, huh? That's all that matters is that I'm entertaining Kim. Um, and it's true. You all listeners out there. So... Hopefully, y'all are doing well in your quarantine moments, and I hope we're providing you with some quality content for you to consume during this time, but uh, I'm so excited for this episode, you have no idea. Uh, It's mainly because we've been dangled so hard by Kim. That's true. In the last episode with the Amityville part one. So today... I would love to introduce to you Miss Kim Douthit and <laughs> at Amityville Part Two. Part Two. Yes. Uh, thank you, Gabby. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, and and actually, that is a good way to say that if you have not listened to the first part of this series on Amityville, uh, I do recommend it because we will be referencing a few things that lead back. Uh, to part one. That's a good point. But what we're going to be covering today in part two is is the part of the story that I'd say more people are generally familiar with. Yep. Does it involve Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> well, you know, you are the only person I know who, when I reference the movie, the Amityville Horror, thinks about the remake. It's just because of Ryan Reynolds, man. I mean, I will, I am, I am there 100%, um, but it's funny to me because other than the fact that Ryan Reynolds is a beautiful specimen of a human being, he's also very funny. Oh, he's insanely funny. But also, I like when he chops wood without his shirt off. That too. It's just, yeah. you know, he's very well-rounded. He's very well-rounded. <laughs> <laughs> of course I'm going to think of him, you know? Uh, I I I don't blame you, but uh, I like that. I I think you are the only person I know who goes to the remake before you go to the original, and that's why I am so much fun. Oh, that's that's true. That's one of many reasons. <laughs> one of many many reasons. <laughs> uh, but no, the the Amityville haunting is about the Letts family, and the Letts family moved in uh, actually almost a year exactly to when 
the murders took place. They moved in in December of 1975 to the home. And I, I have to, I know this is like my normal disclaimer. I feel like I give anytime I'm talking about a case like this, but more so in this than in probably anything I've ever researched, the contradictory data is astounding. Oh, really? Well, and if you think about it, part of that reason is there was a book and a movie and the Lutz's own account, but even within that, there were changes and evolutions and inconsistencies. Sure. So if during this recounting, there's ever a time when you're like, wait a minute, it was red slime, not black, or it was this, not this, please be aware that there are many, many variations on how this has been retold. That's so uh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. And, and even within... Well, even within sources, they were the first ones to say, like, well, we heard this. We've also heard this. It said this in the book, but it said this in an interview. So uh, there are many versions of this story, and there is not really one official version. But George and Kathy Lutz uh, were newlyweds. They'd been married just barely a year, and they wanted to buy a home for their family uh, themselves. And, and Kathy's three children... George had legally adopted the children when he married Kathy, something he was very insistent on, despite the fact that their biological father was actually in contact with them and, and seeing them. That's really weird, isn't it? it? It is, but from what I've been able to gather about George, he was an incredibly controlling person. Hmm. Former military man. And he kind of ran his household as such. So he adopted the three children, uh, Danny, who was the eldest. He was about 10. Christopher, who was about seven. And Melissa, who everybody in the family called Missy, who was only about five years old. They find this house. They looked at all of these different homes and they're shown this gorgeous, gorgeous home. $80,000. Beautiful well-to-do area of Long Island. This is a bargain. It's on the beach. You got a little boathouse. Also, fully furnished because for some reason, the previous occupants left all of their furniture. Oh my God, were the beds still there? I believe the bed frames were. Oh no, that's so messed up. And uh, according to George Lutz, he said, we looked at about 50 homes over the months that we decided to combine the households. When she, the realtor, showed it to us, she said, I don't know if I should tell you now or after you've seen the house, but this was the house that the DeFeo murders took place in. We kind of looked at each other like we weren't sure what she was talking about, and then she reminded us about Ronald DeFeo having killed his whole family. It had been in the newspapers about a year before. Hmm. So they they go in fully knowing this is a murder house. I mean, it's a deal. And if it's pretty, I get it. And I also, mean, maybe they were weird like us. Who knows? Uh, that's kind of how I feel. I'm like, the murder house part wouldn't be a deterrent to me. But they decided, though, they decided to take the house. Even though, as good a bargain as it was, they really couldn't afford it. Oh, no. So there, uh, George was going to move his business headquarters to the home. He was going to dock his boat there. They were looking at ways to kind of make it make sense. Mm -hmm. And it, it was, 
it was a really, really good deal. And it was a beautiful home. So they did decide because of the uh, things that had happened there that they were going to have a a Catholic priest come in to bless the home for them. So they move themselves in. They're unpacking the trunk and Father Ray arrived to bless the home. He performed the blessing. He did mention to George Lutz that he felt something strange in one of the upstairs rooms. Uh, Yeah. This room the family had decided would not be uh, used as a bedroom. It was going to be used as the sewing room. So Father Ray expressed he had some concerns about that room, and they reassured him no one would be sleeping in the room, so it should be fine. And you might be asking yourself, which room? Which room was it? So this was the room that was formerly Don DeFeo's bedroom. Don being the eldest daughter and the one who had her room on that, that top the top top floor the last person killed and if you are to believe butch's current line of defense the one who really did most of the killings yeah right now this is where you start to see some of those lovely inconsistencies because there's reports that the priest was driven out of the home by voices or possibly flies uh and that he received the stigmata on his hands what's the stigmata Uh, Well, for those of you who are not familiar or raised tragically Catholic, um, the stigmata are the wounds of Christ that will sometimes appear. Oh. uh, Oftentimes appearing on the palm of the hands. However, Christ was not actually nailed to the cross via the palms. It was the wrists because the palms would not support the full body weight. Oh, fun fact. Fun fact. But the the this is this is all BS, obviously. Like the, the quotes from George Lutz himself contradict this. So I think this is another example of people watching the movie and then taking the movie as fact. That happens. It happens. So things are weird almost immediately. How so? Cold spots throughout the um. house. And as, as, as you well know, uh, cold spots are a sign, could be a sign of a spirit. Did they see orbs? <laughs> it's also a sign of a draft. <laughs> I'm, also I'm a dusty house. It's an old house. Spirits, drafts, eh, same difference. They're getting kind of strange feelings, though, and loud noises are happening late at night. George's mood starts to really deteriorate. He gets angrier. He starts isolating himself from the rest of the family. He also got really obsessed with the fireplace because he felt like the house couldn't get warm enough. Because of all the cold spots? Because of all the cold spots. Hmm. Seriously, dude, check and see if there's like an insulation problem, though. That's the first thing you did. <laughs> Clearly, that was not the concern. No, apparently not. Anyway, uh, George would wake up almost Every morning at about 3.15 a.m. Hmm. What's something notable that happened in the home at about 3.15 a.m.? The DeFeo family was murdered in their beds at about 3.15 a.m. Oh. Yeah. That makes sense. So the, the timing lined up. So Kathy's constantly reporting that uh, she feels like someone's touching her. And there's no one there. 
and okay, and this is this was kind of bizarre. Uh, she said, and and George backed her up that she woke up one night and her face had been transformed into that of an old hag. What? And that it took hours to go away. Are you sure she just? Took her makeup off. Maybe she just didn't have her smoky eye and lashes on. I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I mean, before I've had caffeine or done anything to my hair, I too look like an old hag. Same. I mean, actually, the mornings are rough, man. I feel like I'm maybe more of a bride of Frankenstein. I have very tall hair. Um, I look like, like Einstein when I wake up. I have nice. vertical bangs. Nice. So. Please snap a fi- picture of this tomorrow. I would like photographic evidence. I will give it to you and only you and not our Instagram for our podcast. God bless you. That's going to be a high-level Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> the high-level Patreon perks are going to be, uh, if you pay us enough money, we'll send you photos of what we look like when we first wake up. And Paris maybe you want to pay us to not send you that. Who that knows? That's also true. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Ghost Daddy might want. I feel like that's something he would just pull out to see. Yeah, but he's already a Patreon, so he already gets that. (laughs) So the children are fighting. Um, Their parents are getting more aggressive in their punishments, and they are beating the children. Yeesh. Although, if the children are later to be believed, this was happening before. So the house wasn't necessarily doing that. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Now, okay, one of my favorite claims was that a lion sculpture came to life and walked around the house and bit George Lutz. Oh, no, you heard me correctly. A lion sculpture came to life, walked around the house, and bit George Lutz, which makes me wonder if they weren't all just getting really, really high and letting feral cats in. I was just going to say, were there drugs involved in this? Was anyone hallucinating? Because this was the 70s, right? That's what... Right? That's what I keep thinking. Like, please share. Please share. Whatever you're whatever you're doing. We need someone we're in isolation. Uh, <laughs> strange smells throughout the house and this green slime was found. That's wild. Black ooze coming out of the walls. Are you sure it wasn't like black mold? That was kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, it is an old house. But <sighs> ooze, mold. Who's mold? See, you're scullying now. I like it. I'm rubbing off on you, girl. Legit. <laughs> I mean, it's a ghost episode. I got to support you somehow, right? Thank you. <laughs> uh, now, the family are understandably getting concerned by some of the things happening. Um, uh, I feel like I probably would have pieced out the second a statue came to life because that's weird. Creepy. Creepy. So they brought in a, a local parapsychologist named Stephen Kaplan, who was the executive director of the uh, Parapsychology Institute of America. Well, I say they brought him in. They tried to bring him in, but they had trouble nailing down an appointment, it seems. So he probably never actually came to the house. So why is he relevant? We're going to circle back to him. Okay. 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 Missy, the youngest, became convinced there was an angel living in her room. She'd have a whole conversation with this angel. The angel she named Jody, or said that was the angel's name, and would, I have a hard time saying this without laughing, I'm sorry, um, would assume the form of a large pig. What? And could change shape as well. Wait, into what? Wait, did the pig turn into the lion? <gasps> well, see, maybe that's what was going on the whole time. It was angels. <laughs> I'm Wait, so is much that like trouble flying for this. pigs? Is that where flying pigs came from? 
No, oh, that's not God. where flying pigs came from. Um, but I'd, I'd also like to add that as a retired Catholic, if all of the angels actually appeared as pigs, I might still be practicing. <laughs> all I'm saying. I, I cannot relate, says the Jew. It's all right. I've been retired for a while. Um, they also said that they found footprints of a pig in the snow around the house. Wait, hold on. Now I got to scold you that because don't pigs have hooves? Couldn't hooves look like deer? And couldn't there have been deer in the neighborhood? I wish you could see my notes because my notes say there are deer which have hooves. Are you so proud of me right now? I'm so proud. Uh, and it's Long Island. There's deer on Long Island. Uh, <laughs> knife getting knocked down in the kitchen. The garage doors blown open. Doors ripped off their hinges. Couldn't that and be wind? 16 windows shattering. There's lots of things that could do that, though, right? Well, we're going to be circling back to all of this. Okay. <laughs> I, right now, I'm just laying it out like they like they said it. Okay. And then we're going to start playing. Meanwhile, I'm scullying everything, and you're like, "Can you just sit down?" All right. We're, no, we're gonna we're gonna do the debunk Olympics, just one thing at a time. There's a all lot right. to get through. <laughs> Danny Lutz, the the eldest boy, he had the windows come crashing down on his hands. Oh. And his hand actually, like, they couldn't get the window opened. Oh, my gosh. That's got to be so painful. But, and this is what's, again, really bizarre, is that when they finally got the window up, apparently the wounds, for the most part, disappeared. Except for one finger that he still shows as being crooked. I thought you were going to say this instead of one finger that is currently missing. <laughs> <laughs> no, his pinky. It was his pinky finger. Oh, okay. Uh, glowing red eyes peering in from that upstairs sewing room window which missy thought was jody wanting to come in and i'm like don't let him in don't let jody in jody can stay outside with his glowing red eyes is jody the pig i don't know jody's the angel pig angel pig i'm gonna get in so much trouble for some of the things i'm saying (laughs) it's fine you're just reading documentation i'm reading documentation uh george would later say and this is a quote i just didn't want to leave the house We would invite people over instead of going to see them. There came a point when we would invite people over to see whether we were crazy or not. Because when our friends sat in the kitchen, they would hear the people walking around upstairs after the kids had been put to bed. We'd all go up and find the kids fast asleep. There was no way it was the kids. And when your friends confirm that for you, you almost want to break down and say out loud, I'm not crazy. They hear it too. That is such an emotional moment when someone else confirms for you what you're hearing and that it's not just you hearing it. It's not your imagination. I mean, that's pretty compelling, right? Yeah. It kind of actually reminds me of like the episodes where we talk about like the recent ones, the, the spiritualism with the Fox sisters and mm-hmm. the Bell Witch, like how they all made their neighbors come over. To, like, see it for themselves. And listen to it. Yeah. And that's what made people believers was actually seeing it mm-hmm. firsthand. That's so crazy. So things are continuing to escalate. And then finally, uh, and this is, is George Lutz. I'm quoting him again. I was lying in bed and everyone was asleep. And Kathy lifts up off the bed Excuse and me? starts to slide away from the bed and away from me. I feel something get in the bed with us. I'm unable to move. I hear the kids' beds continually slamming up and down on the floor and being dragged. We heard these pigeons on the air conditioner top overhead from the master bedroom, and they're fluttering all night long, and yet there are no pigeons there the next morning. 
or any nest or anything like that. The lights flickered. We brought the dog up to stay right by the bedroom. We tied him right to the doorknob and he's up going in circles and throwing up all night. The boys came down in the morning absolutely frightened. They were unable to get down to me and I wasn't able to get up to them. Missy came in and just asked, what was that all about? And Kathy had no memory of much of it. That day we spent trying to get a hold of Father Ray and he said all the right words. And then they left. January 14th of 1976. They left the home. They had lived there for a total of 28 days. That's not very long at all. It's not very long. So you think about it. I mean, all that stuff that they're saying happened, happened in a very short amount of time. That would be terrifying if it happened, wouldn't it? Sure would. If it was happening, that would be absolutely terrifying. If all of this is true, that is so scary. If all I of love this your is phrasing. True. Your phrasing is my favorite. If it was true, that would be terrifying. All right, let me scully. Scully's got a scully. Scully time. Okay, so there, well, okay, Scully's on pause because there were a few more things that happened before I can full Scully. I can go okay. half Scully right now. They shared their story. Channel 5's news starts investigating a, a woman named Laura DiDio. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. She worked for the news station, and she knew Ed and Lorraine Warren. So she reached out to them to come and do an investigation. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with Ed and Lorraine Warren, a very, very brief rundown of who they are. They are probably among the most well-known, honestly, probably the most well-known, at least among the paranormal circles, investigators. Uh, I think they classified themselves technically as demonologists. Yeah. And Lorraine was clairvoyant. They're also a little controversial to talk about, which I'm going to really not touch on. That's a whole other episode. Um, People tend to either believe in them or not. I'm really not going to address that. Uh, If you've heard of them, you might have heard of them from the Annabelle and Conjuring movies because they are the title characters in, in, uh, at least in the Conjuring franchise. But they've been linked to some of the most famous instances of paranormal activity that have ever happened. So they come into Amityville. They come into the Lutz's home. Uh, on February 24th of 1976. So it's just uh, over a month after the Lutz family peaced out. And Lorraine would describe, and this is a quote from her, an overwhelming sense of sadness and depression in the house. That makes sense. Yeah, for a lot of reasons. Sure. So Ed goes down to the basement and he had his own reaction. and, And he said, it was if I were standing underneath a waterfall and the pressure was driving me down to the floor. And I commanded in the name of Jesus Christ, what was there to reveal its identity? I understood right at that point that what we were dealing with was no ghost. This was no ordinary haunted house. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So this is a strong enough reaction that they decide to do a proper investigation. I think they called it like a paranormal sleepover. And uh, the that channel sounds f- like so much fun. I, I know, want to right? Do a paranormal sleepover. Uh, the Channel Five news team came in, so they they returned to the home on March sixth, and they did have a couple weird things happen while they were there. the The camera guy apparently experienced some odd physical sensations. He 
I know, not not those kinds of uh, physical sensations. But he would get, uh, he got heart palpitations. And he said that he got short of breath when he climbed the stairs. But I'm kind of like, I mean, I'm not trying to scully too hard here, but maybe you just need to climb the stairs more. I was going to say, was he out of shape? Like, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but we've been stuck inside and not working out so much. And I just did some stairs and almost passed out. So. Right? But I, I will say that, that one of the psychics also expressed uh, a sensation of, of heart speeding up. So it could be a thing. Cold spots galore. They set cameras up to catch uh, time-lapse photos. And they did catch one picture of what looks like a little boy peering out of one of the bedrooms. And, and we'll post the picture to our Instagram. Partially because I'm real curious to hear what what y'all think of it. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. I, I have some of my own, but we'll really put that picture. I haven't seen uh, it. I can send it to you if you oh, want. I want to see it. It's, it's online. It's not okay. hard to get a hold of. All right. I'll find it. I won't look it up while you're talking. So no one's feeling good things. And Lorraine believes that... What the house needed was a cleansing by a priest or, like, an exorcism. Mm. But the Lutz family was like, we don't feel super good about this because we feel like we'd be putting people in danger. So they opted out. House was surrendered back to the bank. And, okay, so these reactions that they're talking about, like, thinking back to last week's episode um, Butch DeFeo did say at one point that there were voices that made him kill his family. So that's a thing that happened. George Lutz contacted the local historical society to kind of find out more information about the land itself. And what he said he discovered was that the land was used by a local tribe, the uh, Shinnecocks, and that it was a place that was where they would keep their their sick and dying and also was partially used as a burial ground. So one of the theories was that could have tainted the land or left it vulnerable to negative energy and demonic activity. All right. Now Scully's got a Scully. Scully. <laughs> Scully's got a Scully. If you Scully, you got a Scully. Really quickly, I just found the picture that you're talking about. Right. So they think it's this one of the, the kids. That was one of the theories. Um, Interesting. All yeah. I see is like light reflective eyes, and it looks like what it looks like when you take a picture and someone's eyes reflect yeah. light back. Yeah. Which is not a ghost. That's a person. Right. But they're claiming it's a child and that it's one of the children. Ugh, I don't like that. <laughs> All right. So, Scully. Scully. It's time for some Scully. So, uh, First, I have to say, again, why do we know this story? Because there was a book called The Amityville Horror written by Jay Anson, and he got the story because George Lutz called up a publisher almost immediately, who was like, hey, man, I got some weird shit I can talk about. And this is, I mean, this is the 70s, remember? So, like, this is the height of, we got the exorcist a few years before. We have the rise of the occult and Satanism being front and center in the public eye. We're getting more notorious serial killers out there. We've got Bundy. We've got Zodiac Killer. We've got John Wayne Gacy. We've got people who are kind of relishing in this, this darkness a little bit. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. I mean, you should have been alive during the 70s. Eh, should I? <laughs> Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> TV's better now. <laughs> True. 
So someone capitalizing off of something, that's not new. And it doesn't necessarily mean that something didn't happen just because they want to capitalize on it. Sure. They were having money problems. I can respect, like, if this is a thing that's going to help you support your family, yeah, sure, sell your story. But if you continue to dig, it gets a little murky. Hmm. Because George Lutz had a meeting with a man while he was still living at the house. A meeting with a man named William Weber. That name probably doesn't ring any bells for most of you. But William Weber was none other than Butch DeFeo's defense attorney. Oh, Mm -hmm. isn't that interesting? The same William Weber who convinced Butch to claim insanity as his defense. Because, at least according to Butch, there would be more opportunities for book and movie deals. Hmm. And, like, this isn't just speculation. William Weber would give an interview years after that one night he went there and they had like three or four bottles of wine and him and George and Kathy concocted this story to make money. That's wild. Pulling in Ed and Lorraine Warren, more PR. Having a TV crew there, yes. You're just building anticipation for it. And part of why all of this ultimately came out is because everything sort of went to shit. They didn't write a book with William Weber. They wrote a book with Jay Anson. So they start suing each other over royalties, over mental distress. George Lutz is suing the author of an article for good housekeeping because they didn't get permission for a story. A policeman is suing the Lutzes because he was in the book. I mean, it's, it's like Lawsuit Central. And it's, it's a mess keeping track of it. Like, even as I was sorting through all of this, I could not find clear lines between all of the lawsuits because there were so many of them. But at the end of the day, the judge, Jack B. Weinstein, he throws stuff out and he says, it appears to me that to a large extent, the book is a work of fiction. Interesting. And, and Gabby, you're going to appreciate this because oh, the no. article I read about this and it ran in the Washington Post in 1979 and the title of the article was, wait for it, Calamityville Horror. Can we name this episode Calamityville Horror, please? Calamityville Horror, ladies Oh my god, that is such a good pun. That is the dad joke to end all dad jokes. Yes. Boom. I love it. So the story's falling apart further because you know that priest? Yeah. Who either, who ranges somewhere between getting stigmata and just being like, mm, that upper bedroom's kind of creepy. Sure. He says he never went there. Wait, what? He says he was never there. He says he referred them to another priest, but then they never met with this other priest. And when he was asked about it, George said, I love this response. There were a number of priests involved who will never be told about. Also a rabbi. It'll never be told unless I find a publisher for a follow-up book full of detailed proofs. Oh, you want a follow-up book now. Uh, And you got a rabbi. And he, you know, he's all like, yeah, man, I had friends. I had neighbors. They came over. They were, they were seeing all this stuff. Well, none of them were willing to actually back them up. Not yeah. one. And my favorite is uh, a quote from the policeman who was named as supposedly having been called. And he says, it's all bullshit. What would you do if your doors were ripped off and your windows broken and $1,500 mysteriously disappeared? You'd call the police, right? Well, the Lutzes never contacted the police until after they moved out. That seems shady. That seems shady. 
And remember that whole, you know, oh, well, George Lutz contacted the Historical Society and they said that this was a burial ground. He never contacted them. And oh, the, really? No. And the local Historical Society was like, the Shinnecock Indians never lived anywhere near Amityville. <laughs> oh, that's wild. And, okay, so we're circling back now to Stephen Kaplan. Okay. The reason why he never made it to the house, he called BS from the beginning. When Lutz called him about setting up the appointment, Kaplan said to him, if the story is a hoax, the public will know. So Lutz canceled the appointment. And when the Amityville Horror book came out, Kaplan got so annoyed and convinced that this whole thing was going to make people think that paranormal investigators were like full of shit, he wrote his own book. No way. Called The Amityville Horror Conspiracy, where he lists all of the problems with the Lutz's claims. Oh, my God. Right. And and I have to say right here, though, like, Kaplan, this is why I scully. Because the only way we're going to get taken seriously is to approach things seriously. Sure. And to question. Are you into the secret histories of exorcisms, Christmas massacres, killdozers, and concert disasters? How about haunted mansions, the Philadelphia Experiment, the Dorm of Death, or candy corn? Then you're going to love Ghost Town, a hilarious and sometimes not so hilarious twice-weekly podcast. On Wednesdays, we discuss the secret history of an abandoned, unexplored, haunted, or mysterious place from anywhere in the world. And on Fridays, we cover an amazing historical failure from any time in history. Ghost Town is 100% safe and legal. We guarantee it. It's also fun, spooky, and can contain a riot, a massacre, a murder, or an arch deluxe. I'm Rebecca Lieb. I'm Jason Horton. And and this this is Ghost Town. And you can find Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts. So George Lutz would defend himself against a lot of this. and, And he says that... He has a photo of the torn off door and they had a bill for the broken windows, but it somehow got lost in one of the moves. Which happens. I, I get it. So Lutz says that the door photo was run in Newsday and the, the staffer involved in the story says it wasn't. <laughs> and okay. later reports that would also say that the doors and windows were all, they all still had the original hardware on them. So they couldn't have been destroyed or blown off their hinges. Right, because it would need to be replaced and then it wouldn't have original hardware. Yeah. And, huh. all right, the piece de resistance, the pig prints in the snow. Dear. No, not even that, because there was no snow. No snow fell during that time. Oh. No snow, Gabby. No snow. So if no Kim snow. could pick her mic up and literally drop it right now... She would, but I know she doesn't want... She's, like, pretending to throw the mic on the floor. That's an aggressive mic drop. So, um... Hashtag no snow. Hashtag mic throw. (laughs) No snow mic throw. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I will say, George and Kathy passed a lie detector test. Huh. And the, the guy that gave the test said they both answered truthfully. They were pretty frightened, and it took us nearly two hours to get him called down. But what they told us, they believed. That's an important statement. What they told us, they believed. So are they delusional and they are they like truly believe their own story and that's why they passed the lie detector test and nothing else is valid? 
Okay, I have a couple different theories. But let's 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 pause that because there were three other people in that house. That's true. The children. What'd they say? Well, they were never questioned by the press when they were children because they were minors. And Kathy wouldn't let the press anywhere near them. Makes sense. As they got older, they did, at least two of them would speak out a little bit about it. Now, Missy, as far as I could find, has never publicly spoken about it. Uh, And to be fair, she was five when it all went down. So Sure. Maybe a bit of a fuzzy memory. Maybe a bit of a fuzzy memory. Christopher, who's now going by his original last name, uh, Cortino, he's spoken out a, a number of times about what happened, at least what he recollects. And he says that it was almost all fabricated. Interesting. And he said, this is a quote from one of his interviews. So far, there's been three representations for what happened in that house, and not one of them is accurate. Hmm. What he did say is that his stepfather, George, brought it on himself because he was dabbling in the occult. And that some sort of paranormal events did occur, but he exaggerated them to tell the story. He said George would try and summon spirits. Oh, no. The more sensationalized things, those never happened. But the apparitions were seen. So it's legit to a degree. According to Christopher, who again was seven at the time, in contrast to that, Danny, the older brother, so he participated in this documentary called My Amityville Horror, which I watched. And man, I got to say, and neither Christopher nor Melissa took any part in it. It's just Danny. And it's a lot of Danny. You're with Danny the whole time, pretty much, uh, save for some interviews of uh, a couple other people from from that time. It's sad to watch, man. Danny stands by the claims of everything that happened. He says none of it was a hoax. He also talks about his very troubled life, uh, his struggles with George, whom he said was very violent with the children even before they moved in, a lot of abuse allegations. And honestly, after watching it, what you come away with is that this is a very, very damaged man Hmm. who has, has struggled his whole life, who left home, who ran away multiple times and finally stayed away permanently when he was about 15. That's so he went sad. out on his own. And I think he believes everything that happened. And uh, they'd interviewed a, a psychologist on it who, who had said, you know, he's soaked in suggestion. That's a really good phrase. I, I thought that was maybe one of the most perfect ways to put how I think a lot of people sometimes, we fill in gaps, especially when we're young and traumatic things are happening. Um, we fill in gaps. And what, what's sort of interesting is that some of the things as he's remembering them, and he's so sure happened, were things that were never part of the original telling, were things that happened from the movie or things that happened. Really? And so I, I don't want to say, like, again, I very, very, very strongly believe that Danny thinks all of this happened. I don't think he's being deceptive when he says that. I think he really believes it. Uh, he did say also that George was dabbling with the occult, and he said he found books that George had on dark magic and Satanism, as well as hypnosis. Oh, well, that's an interesting tidbit of information. I found that really interesting, and I found that actually 
interesting enough that I'm surprised more has not been looked into about that. Because if, I mean, hypothetical, right? If he was able to hypnotize his family. Mm -hmm. Or manipulate them. Yeah. Yeah. With or without their consent. Like, that could cause them to think that they are telling the truth forever, Mm -hmm. even if what is happening is not accurate. Especially if they're already mildly traumatized. Right. Um, And you have George who's getting and has been violent. Um, Again, this is all pure speculation. But when... When he made the comment about the hypnosis books, my ears just went, wait, what? Now, uh, future residents of the home have reported exactly zero strange activity. The the gentleman who moved in directly after, James Cromarty. Woo, Cromarty. That's a good name. Good name. He lived there from 1977 to 1987, and he said, quote, nothing weird ever happened except for people coming by because of the book and the movie. That'll do it. That'll do it. Warren stood by their their belief that the haunting was legit. And Ed Warren said, if this was a hoax, we wouldn't be in on it. Or the priest, which apparently he wasn't. I mean, I was going to say the priest wasn't in on it. But he said, why would they leave behind all their possessions on the mere chance of a bestseller? They lost $400,000, but that's not the point. That's what, that's what Ed said, so. Both George and Kathy stuck by all of their accounts. They did divorce in uh, 1988. There was a few reports that said 1980, but but 1988, I believe, is the official divorce date. In an interview in 2000, Kathy stated, Some people have called our testimony about Amityville a hoax. There is nothing I could say to them. There is nothing I could show them that would be new evidence that this is the truth. It is the truth. It is my testimony. It is where I came from, and to judge another's testimony, not having experienced it, not having gone through it, or being touched by it, you don't have the right to. Yours is just an opinion, and the opinion doesn't hold water. Hmm. Which I, I have to say, I appreciate. Yeah. I take the piss out of a lot of things. I scully things. I mean, as you should, though, because you should. shouldn't take everything for what people say. It's good to know context. It's, it's, it's good to good know to, other perspectives. But but at the end of the day, I wasn't there. So can I say with 100% certainty that none of these things happened? No, I can't. I did not live through it. Uh, she died in 2004, and George died in 2006, but they they never once recanted, and they stayed true to their story uh, through their deaths. Wow. So that's the Lutz family and Calamityville Horror. I really love that name. That name is just going to get me every time. But I feel like we do have to give proper credit. I mean, Washington Post in 1979, whoever came up with that headline, kudos to you. Snaps. Kudos. Legit kudos. snaps for you. Legit, legit snaps. Well, that's an interesting story because, like, I, I really, truly love hearing the Kim perspective on um, (laughs) stories like this because I I sit into a category of people that like the story that -hmm. will hear the story and honestly believe whatever I hear because I'm like wow that's cool that's interesting but I won't really dig deep unless I like am incredibly interested in it right and like I've seen 
the movies. I haven't read the book, but I'm intrigued to read it now. To read both. I would love to read Calamity of Elhor. Um well, that that was just an article. I know, but I would love to read it just because of the title. It's um, in, it's in our it's in our sources. Oh, look at that. Um but my point is is that I I only have like the the surface information. Right. And so I think to be able to dig deeper and hear that perspective is enlightening and you know as we do we like to provide the different perspectives but I really am fascinated by that that moment that you talked about with the hypnotizing like that could be so huge that's so wild well and 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 that's a piece of of uh evidence that that i just watched the documentary last night in fact i'll talk about it on creepy critics corner but uh i'm i'm still curious now to kind of do a little bit of more digging in that respect to see if if anyone else has really gone down that route of could could the the family have experienced some sort of um hypnosis or brainwashing or manipulation yeah uh because i i am curious about that well having said that I think it's time to welcome you to Creepy Critics Corner. Creepy Critics Corner. Welcome to Creepy Critics Corner. So, honestly, I don't really have creepy things to talk about for this time. Because don't talk about Tiger King. That's all I ask. I'm not going to talk about Tiger King. We've already discussed this. Um, <laughs> I, you do not have my stamp of approval on that. I will just say that. Um, however, I do need to pay homage to Schitt's Creek because if you haven't seen that show, it is just one of the best shows I think ever created. Um, and they just had their season, well, not season, but series, series finale. Uh, I think last week, which will be like two weeks ago by the time this comes out. But, oh my God, I have never cried so hard at the end of like a comedic show because it was so good and just like sad that it was over. But if you (laughs) haven't seen it, you got to see it. It's so fantastic. Um, It actually made me reopen some old movies that I haven't seen in a long time. And so we recently watched Best in Show. Which is oh, yeah, really a really funny show. movie with Eugene Levy, uh, who also obviously wrote and produced um, Schitt's Creek with his son, Dan Levy. And they're, well, his daughter is also in it as well in Schitt's Creek. So it's a little family show, which is kind of cool. So that's not creepy at all. Uh, it's just a good time. And if you need a good laugh right now, because sometimes people going through hard times need a good laugh, great show to watch. The other thing that I discovered through, going down the rabbit hole of finding new podcasts and (laughs) just content to listen to is um, a podcast called A Funny Feeling. It's on, I mean, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. They're still current. They've actually been around since 2017. Oh, wow. And it's with comedians Betsy Sodaro and Marcy Giroux. And they are both friends with Nicole Byer. And that's how I discovered this podcast. And it is about haunted things but with lots of great comedy as well so if you like a good funny haha and some spooky things too uh you should check that out because it's really great i only listened to a couple episodes but there's some really funny interpretations of i will just say the jersey devil episode was 
On oh, point. I love me some Jersey Devil. So, I want to do an episode on the Jersey Devil at some we point. Will we? Absolutely I went on a will. my friend, uh, former roommate of mine, uh, when I was still living on the East Coast. We went. Uh, to the Pine Barrens to try to find the Jersey Devil. And I kept trying to reenact this moment from the last broadcast and she was not amused, <laughs> which is probably only funny to people who've seen the last broadcast, all like five of us. So I feel like you should dress up as the Jersey Devil for Halloween and I can be Mothman and we can be cryptoids together. Well, you, you, you get your costume together and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll meet you at the party. <laughs> She's going to just stand me up, guys. She's going to make me be the Mothman all by myself. You're the Mothman in my heart. (laughs) I'm going to quote you on that. (laughs) You can. You can always quote me on that. I love it. (laughs) Anywho, Kim, what have you been watching and listening to? Uh, to, to the to the shock of no one, I have been immersing myself in various Amityville things. So I I did watch the the documentary, My Amityville Horror. and, And I will say it's... It wasn't quite what I was expecting. Um, I think I was expecting a more, uh, like, firsthand account, really, of what happened. And it was less that and more kind of about Danny and how he's coped and, and him revisiting things. And, and man, again, it just, it just made me sad. <laughs> it made it me sounds very really sad. sad. It's kind of rough to watch only because you're just like, oh, buddy, man, you did not have it easy. And then I, I re okay, so this is interesting. I rewatched the Amityville Horror, and full disclosure, it's been a little bit since I've watched it. I haven't seen it in a really long time either. Well, but one of the things I was really struck by, and this is to me also how you know it was the 70s. So the movie came out in 79, right? Mm-hmm. The murders happened in 74. Late That's 74. Pretty close. And they reenact the murders not 100% accurately and I had notes but uh, they show it and they show them taking the bodies out and there's points where they're flashing to like the people getting killed and I was like damn if today somebody made a not not like a lifetime movie of the week telling the Scott Peterson story but like an actual blockbuster horror film taking mm-hmm. a real murder. And even though it was a small part of the movie itself, showcasing it and then turning it into this haunted house horror film, people would not be stoked. No, that would not be very well received. That would not be well received. So I found that really jarring. Having just done all this deep dive on the DeFeo murder, it was real weird to then see it represented in the movie that way when it had really only happened a couple years prior. That's crazy. Uh, I will also give a shout out to Mr. James Brolin and his tidy whiteies. Let me tell you. I did not fully appreciate uh, how often he's just running around in tidy whities during that movie. Kudos, sir. Kudos. This is how you know Kim's been locked up in her house for too long, guys. <laughs> listen, listen, it's been rough. Um, the uh, 
the other what was the other thing I was watching? I can't even remember. That's how like man, it's been it's been the time. It's been the time, Gabby. Uh but yeah, I've been watching a lot of Amityville stuff and I've been continuing my 30 days of quarantine, watching a new horror film every day that's in the Oh, I did just rewatch Anne on the Apocalypse, and man, that that movie is a goddamn delight. If you've never watched it, it is just so charming. What's the and name so, of it? Anna and the Apocalypse. It is a gotta get all this right. A zombie Christmas musical horror film. That is so on brand for you. I don't know if anything else could ever be as on brand as that. Right? It's just, it's so charming and so full of heart and really sweet and, and, and just lovely. And it's funny, but it's, it's sad. It tugs at the heartstrings. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really fun. And, and. Uh, I would recommend it streaming in a couple different places. I think it's streaming on Prime and it's streaming elsewhere as well. But I yeah. feel like I've seen like the picture for that someplace on a couple. It's different it's like platforms. her holding up the candy cane up in the air, like woo, yeah, yeah, and a red background. I also have it on Lay Blu-ray, so I feel like as far as horror movies go, I need to get caught up on them. I have a hard time watching them because. Now I'm is a constantly what? home with my boyfriend all day, and and he doesn't like horror movies, and so I feel bad making him leave the room if I want to watch a movie. Maybe when quarantine is over, I'll watch more horror movies. <laughs> you can always watch horror films with me. That's true. That's why you know post quarantine. But uh, thank you for your research, Kim. That was of course obviously very well done, as as to be expected. And if you like what you listen to head on over to Apple Podcasts and uh, give us a rating. Give us a little review. We love to read those. It really warms our hearts. And you can always subscribe on there and on Spotify if you'd like to know when our next episodes are coming out. Mm -hmm. We also have an Instagram. It is Ghoulish Tendencies Podcast. We love hearing from you guys with any ghost stories that you have for us to read on future episodes. We skipped this week's because Kim brought all the ghost stories with her. Uh, all the ghosts, all the ghosts, left and right, dealing the ghosts. Kim is now our hashtag ghost dealer. So <laughs> she's making it rain ghosts over Zoom right now. You can always message us any kind of topic suggestions too. Also, during also. quarantine, we started doing something pretty fun. We started going live on Instagram on Sunday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh-huh. So if you would like to join us on there, all you have to do is go on the IG and follow us, and it'll just say live at the top of your stories when we're live on Sunday nights. But it's a great place to ask us questions, have a good time, talk about what kind of cheese you like. See Kim's of- murder wall. You know, yeah, Kim reveals her murder wall, guys. If you want to see it, that's a great time to join. Um, and we usually leak some information on some upcoming episodes, too. So that's true. please feel free to join us on there. It's a good little entertainment moment while we're in quarantine. Uh, we also have a Patreon. So find us on there if you're feeling, you know, generous and want to get some cool things in the mail. We also have Twitter, which is Litwit Ghoulish Podcast. Yes. And we also have our website. Our website is ghoulishtendencies.com. You can find all of our show notes on there as well as all of our episodes. And if you have any questions, you can always holler too. And uh, thanks for listening. 
day, spooky.